Is it Cyber FM? It is. Cyber it is. Dog Cyber. FM. It, it could be anything John Waite wants it to be. Yeah, I know. Oh, right? my God. Yeah, here we go with that one. Hi, this is John Waite, and you're listening to Cyber Dot FM. Can I call you Dad? <laughs> no. Hey, everybody. It's the Badger, and welcome to a crossover event with West Loves East Radio Network's Euphoric Trip Radio and Music You Can See Radio and uh, Mr. James Tiley from Cyber FM Rock Radio. Am I right, James? I'm on rock and I'm on extreme. It matters uh, which artist I'm appearing, appeasing. Ah. I'm rock and I'm extreme. Oh, there you go. I'm going to bring I'm going to bring him on all channels. <laughs> and that would be our special guest this evening, rock star and icon from wow. the 70s, 80s, 90s and now with his brand new release Wooden Heart, Mr. John Waite. Welcome to our show and thank you very much for uh, granting us this interview. We really appreciate it. Oh, well, God bless you. No, it's nice to talk to you. Um, yeah, I got a new album out and I'm, you know, I'm doing loads of interviews. Uh, but it's nice to kick back and um, just chat, you know, so um, it's nice to talk. Awesome. Yes, isn't it? During COVID makes things a little yeah. bit interesting. Cool. Yeah, yeah, true. And uh, and uh, boring like yes, it's like oh man, I, I really want to go do some. We heard that you yeah. actually are going to be performing live this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, I got a gig on uh, on Sunday. We were supposed to do a like a, a huge motorcycle rally in Northern California, and the COVID thing kicked in, and they couldn't get all those people into one space. There was like, you know, 20,000 people. But the guy who's promoting the show is such a John Waite fan, God bless him, that he's going to go ahead with it. Uh, he's hired a piece of land and bit, built a small stage and invited 150 of his closest friends. And uh, we're going to go and play the gig. So it's the first time the band are going to kick around for, uh, it's been about 14, 15 months, you know. Oh, wow. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. That's amazing. All right. Well, I so... probably get stage fright, you know. I mean, it's like a, <laughs> it's been a while. I bet not. I well, bet no. not. Hey, John, do you ever do you ever go on stage and then say to yourself, like, holy crap, I'm John Waite. Like, do you ever intimidate yourself? <laughs> no, I, I sometimes do that when I'm shaving. And it's a bloodbath. You know, I sort of like jump around the, the, the you know, the bathroom saying, geez, it's just me. But uh, no, I, I'm pretty much in my boots. I kind of know who I am. And uh, you walk out there and um, game on. You know, it's, you'd, you'd be surprised what happens between walking from backstage to the microphone. Things change dramatically in those like 30 feet. Everything changes, you know, with every step, the energy gets bigger and harder and sharper, and then you're at the mic and it kicks off, and there you are. But uh, sometimes before you go out on stage, you kind of wonder what you're doing there. But as soon as you get in front of a mic, you know, you remember why you came, as Jackson Brown once said, you know, it's... um it's what I do. Full on admit it. We're all, I mean, in our industry and in your industry, we're exhibitionists. 
this is what we do. We're all artists, whether we're voiceover artists or recording artists. It kind of just takes a hold of you. I mean, like, I'm not the badger when I go to the grocery store. That's for sure. Hello. <laughs> you know, my, my wife deals with that. She gets so mad. She comes home and she goes, do you know I bumped into another person that said, oh, my God, are you James Tiley's wife? And I go, honey, it goes with the thing. What do you want me to say? I'm no John Wayne. Rock. Yeah, no, but you know, it's uh, that's kind of ma- what makes me a singer. I, you know, you, you find time to express these things, think about them, and then you want to put them across to people. So it's kind of a there's an irony in there somewhere because you don't really want to be in front of that many people, but you learn to do it because you have to communicate. You know. So how did you break through? You started performing uh, in the early 70s, right? Correct? With yeah, the baby. Yeah. How did you uh, break through that that wall of being shy? I mean, because so many lead singers are just kind of thrown into that spotlight. You were, because yeah. you were the bass player for the babies, correct? Yeah. I, I, I you know, I was, I, I met this guitar player in London who was, um, bit of a dilettante really he was just sort of like wanted to be in a band and he had this really hardcore manager but he, he had nobody to play with and i got introduced and i could play bass write songs and sing and the manager kept saying i'm going to get your record deal you're going to be world famous and it was music to my ears really i wasn't going anywhere and um so we started this thing and then we got a drummer tony brock and um messed around for a while and different people came in and out and i was writing songs and singing them in rehearsal but uh it was kind of implicit in the whole thing that i would be the lead singer but we were still looking for maybe mick jagger or somebody you know and uh being a bass player i was able to sort of hide behind the bass and play and that's the kind of secondary instrument you know you're not playing lead guitar you're holding it all together with the drums and it's the character of it that I loved, you know, I love bass figures in classical music or in jazz or whatever. I just love bass. But I didn't expect, I always saw myself as a bass player. I didn't see myself as a lead singer, but I knew I could sing. But when it came push to shove, I'd written the songs and the melodies and nobody could sing them the way I, I wrote them. So it narrowed the field to one and everybody in the room turned around and looked at me and I had to step into it. Uh, oh, it became a, a hold my beer moment? Yeah, it actually was. I probably had a brown ale in one hand and a cigarette in the other. But it, <laughs> but uh, I made my way to the mic and said, okay, then I'm the singer. And from that point on, um, we gathered speed. It was like it was the right thing, you know, and I knew it was the right thing, too. I mean, I was... I didn't have the ego that was going to say, listen, shut up, I'm the singer. I did that later, you know. But, I mean, um, I would have been okay with somebody else coming in the band that could sing and share vocals and all that kind of thing it it really wasn't about me it was about the band you know so and then when was that aha moment when you realized that isn't it time was gonna be a huge mega hit well actually it's a good story we were we just got to los angeles um for a tour we'd made the album uh in california in los angeles and We'd been on the road, I think, uh, just warming up some, some songs, and we rented a car, a convertible, and we were driving down PCH, which is, you know, the Pacific Coast Highway, with the top down, 
going to see Ronnie Wood from the Stones. We were going to go and say hello. Uh, we had a mutual friend in the car from the record company who wanted to take us over there and say hi. And it came on the radio. And there we were going down, you know, PCH in the, in the sunshine with our hair blowing back and everything being, you know, really dreamlike. And it came on the radio. Right? It was kind of like, wow. But it, it was a picturesque kind of moment. You know, you couldn't have um, asked for a better moment. It was really, you know, it was really an amazing experience. I mean, I think the other guys in the band weren't quite aware of how big it was. I'd been to America about two years before, three years before, to Cleveland to join a band for about four months, and it blew up, and I went home. But I knew about American radio and Cream magazine and Circus and Rolling Stone and the underground culture of, of America. <clears throat> and I think they were a little naive. But I really grasped what was going on. You know, it was... Um, I didn't take it lightly. and uh, But I, it was a really incredible thing to be that age and, and be a success, you know. Babies were huge. And then you went on to have a successful solo career on your own, capitalizing on MTV. You had the look and you had the voice. Was <laughs> Changes your first mega hit video or was it missing you? Oh, Change. It was Change. We, I was in New York and uh, I would really, I'd left the babies. We'd been split up for about a year and a half. I'd moved to New York, made a record, and um, I'd always made videos, you know. I mean, the Babies were the first band to actually get a record deal making a video. No matter what anybody else says, that's the honest truth. I'd made a, a video when I was about 17 with the band I was in, and I just suggested that we do it instead of making a demo, you know. And um, where was that? What was I saying? I've, I've got lost in the... Uh, in, in New York, in New York, you're making the video for yeah, change. Uh, yeah, and um, and I was just sitting. I had this small crash pad on 72nd Street, <laughs> opposite the Dakota of all places, and John Lennon had just been shot. It was terrible, <clears throat> and I had this little black and white TV. And MTV happened in that period that I was in town, and there was only a few bands had videos, which was opportune, you know. We'd made a video for Change, and it was very good. It had a plot and a, and a kind of... Really I loved that twist. video. <laughs> yeah, Kurt Falkenberg III made that. And, um, but they only had about eight, maybe ten videos to play. And the rest of the time, they were interviewing people. And so I was on about eight times a day. And it saved my life, really. I mean, I, didn't, I, I went out and toured that record, but it was hard. There wasn't enough money to really tour and stay out there. But MTV imprinted me on the American public, really. I think it's crazy that, and I'm going to talk about myself for a quick moment. You're talking about sitting on 72nd Street watching MTV on a black and white TV. And like, I want to say, eight-year-old James Tiley was sitting on 71st Street watching oh, no. MTV. Probably oh, your really? videos. Well, do you remember Cantina? Jim, that little Mexican, well, you probably wouldn't, you were too young. But on, on Columbus Avenue, there was a, a little Mexican restaurant uh, on the east side of the street called Cantina. And I used to go in there. I gave him a gold record in the end when Missing You took off. But uh, 
I'd go in there with a friend of mine, and we we'd drink beer and stuff, and they would keep bringing us chips and dip because we were starving. You know, <laughs> I hadn't any money at all. I mean, it was like I had to start again when I went solo. But uh, that's a fantastic thing, isn't it? I mean, you must have been. Which block were you on? So I was always at it's the east side because Columbus Circle is. Uh, three or four blocks west, right? Like towards, because I was on York Avenue. Ah, uh, no, I was I was just off Columbus by uh, Sharivari. It was like seventy uh, second in Columbus. Yes, yeah, so Lincoln Terrace Towers. I had a mattress on the floor, huh. and a couple of pillows, and a, a lamp, and a and a dial phone. It was oh pretty. Oh um, It was pretty. It was pretty low rent, you know, literally. But. but uh, I, I... Those are the best. I mean, that's like the best story. I mean, MTV. Yeah, seriously. When I started watching MTV and I was older than James, definitely. <laughs> well, <laughs> talking about the babies, I'm the baby here. Yeah, you're definitely the baby. Um, I was, I remember it was like the Buggles video killed the radio star. Yeah. Um, roly, roly poly fish heads. <laughs> Um, it was like but then i'm like watching i'm watching mtv change came on and my sister who is about oh, she's about five or six years older than me is walking behind me and she was like oh that's the lead singer from the babies <laughs> and i was like it is and she was and that was my whole introduction and then i like dove backwards into your and that's when I really started listening to the babies and then listening to your music but I had never I didn't even know at that point so MTV totally exposed me to all your music well that's that's a beautiful thing thank you that's really great I mean a lot of people did to a lot of people they didn't put the change thing together with the babies I was singing to a whole new generation it was a year and a half since I'd left the babies and time moves fast in the music business. A lot of people did know. I mean, the people that worked at uh, the VJs, you know, um, Nina Blackwood, you know, we were tremendously good friends, very close. We used to I go out her. and drink tequila and stuff. And all those, all those VJs were like personal friends of mine. It, it was a smaller town. New York City was just smaller. And uh, it had a great scene, you know. So it was kind of organic. I mean, now it's very corporate. It would be difficult to get those eight spins a day now, you know? Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, the time was just right. It's like one of those things where everything works. And um, Serendipity. Yeah. yeah, serendipity, yeah. Kismet. So, you know, I've been, it, it wasn't a huge record. It didn't really break through. But I did as a personality. I think the record company just couldn't sell enough records. They were a very small company and it held the record back. Um, But the fact that I was on nationwide TV, that was a bigger success. You know, I sort of, I kind of earned my wings there, you know, that they knew who I was. Yeah. And then um, from that, you, and, so you did some time on the small screen, too. You were in Paper Dolls, right? Yeah, yeah. When Missing You was number one, they rang up, and um, some big uh, TV company rang up and said, is John Wayne available to be in a, a weekly show on Nationwide TV? And I, it was like, you know, 
where do I sign? You know, it was like, it was like Rick Springfield time. It was like, you know, if you're on TV and you have a number one record, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's like being in the royal family, you know. But um, yes, I was. I was I was on the show for maybe four or five episode, episodes, and um, it was weird. You know, I'd play a gig maybe in Detroit and get on a plane that night and fly back, and at six o'clock I'd be in makeup, you know, and then at 7.30 or 8 we'd be filming, and then I'd film till about two in the afternoon, drive off to the airport, fly to Portland. You know, it was just like... It was rugged, but it was uh, tremendous fun, you know. I'll, See, I'll tell you I'm, this. Go ahead, I'm sorry, James. Beth. Nope, go for it. I was going to say, if we're going to start talking about missing you, um, you know that game GTA Vice City, Grand Theft Auto Vice oh, City? Yeah. So yeah. your song is on the fake 98.3 Emotion while you're driving around playing the game. For, oh, you know, I've, I've never played the game, but I heard, I heard it was on there somewhere. Yeah, so what? There's they're a major game. I mean, major, major game. And by yeah. doing that, the game is based on the '80s in that particular release. By oh, putting really? your song in there, while even to this day kids are driving around wrecking cars, it's <laughs> it's the answer to what is the '80s. It was that yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Whoa. I think it's iconic because when um. The funny thing is that you mentioned when because you mentioned that James, I had a podcast recording with the kids um, on Saturday, and I said, "Oh, I'm like you guys were were interviewing uh, John Wayne." I was really excited. I told them about it, and they were yeah. and they kind of looked at me, and I was and then I was like, "Okay." So I pulled up the video when I put it on YouTube, which, by the way, congratulations. That has had an enormous amount of views. Yeah, he's YouTube. got some Taylor Swift level going on over there. Yeah, yeah, no, that is you know, huge. I, yeah, I know. It's it's an incredible thing, really. I mean, you, I don't know if you could really repeat that, unless you're Madonna. You know, it was uh, it was like you know the the top ten at that point was like George Michael and T Tina Turner and the Police and. It was just, you know, we are the world or whatever. It was just insane. And uh, to be number one in that kind of company is uh, it's hair-raising. You know, it was almost comical. I couldn't take it in. Um, but interestingly enough, about six months ago, I got the publishing back to Missing You. So every time it plays now, I make twice as much money. <laughs> awesome. I love to hear that. I know. You get six cents now instead of three. Yeah. 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 No, I know it's 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 really kind of shameful, but you'd be you, you know you um it adds you up, do man. notice that missing your money it comes in like a like a tornado. It's it's a good thing. Well, you know? and like I said though, my twenty year old son, same story. I was like, yeah, we're gonna talk to John Waite. It's gonna be cool. And he goes, who? And I you know yeah, played well. a played a missing you, and he goes. Oh, that's from that's from Grand Theft Auto. Oh my God! Now all of a sudden he's a fan, right? Yeah. So that game. And well, when I played it, and then I got two responses: one from Jack, um, which is my son, and he said, "Oh, yep, Grand Theft Auto." But he's probably around the same age as your son. And then, how old are yours? Twenty. Twenty. Yep, mine's twenty-two. And then, 
And then I played it for Van, who's in his 30s. And you know what he said? Oh, go to karaoke song. You are the go to. That is like the go to karaoke song. I could, you know, I never thought about that either. I mean, I was in my hometown with one of my best friends about four years ago, and we, we, I hadn't seen him for years. And we're, in, we're walking past this pub, and it was like in my hometown. It's a northern town. And it was Friday night. And we can hear people doing karaoke. It's, it's huge all over the world. And he actually went in and asked the DJ to put Missing You up and, and announce me. And for a split second, I almost went in and did it, you know, uh-huh. to see what would happen. But, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, yeah. Definitely. You know, anybody could sing that song, anybody at all. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a good lyric, you know. It's kind of like believable, and it's like a blues. It's not like big, big notes. It's like a blues song. I, I think love, anybody could sing it, you know. That I was going to say, is so I like, campy. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, the, my favorite part of that whole video is... When you are in the bar and you're singing the verse where you say, you don't know how desperate I've become. Oh, no. And you no, give don't the do sideways it. Don't do it. glance to the gal next to you. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you see, couldn't do that, that in 2021. You again. cannot do that now. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a great moment. You know, those budgets. Uh, Back then, they were limited, you know, and if you knew a really good filmmaker, they could call in favors. And all the videos were really shot in Los Angeles. That's where all the film crews were. But if you picked the right guy, you could probably get about ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 more out of $50,000, you know. Yeah. And, um, and I think with Missing You, you know, you have to take over certain establishments and you have to sort of hire a crew and there's got to be a girl, there's got to be a, a band, uh, there's got to be all these things, you know, and it's a very, very expensive thing. But Kurt was great. He really was great. Yeah, and it was definitely iconic of the time. And it, it, but it stands up, you know. I mean, it's still, it's still a good video even today. Well, yeah, but that, again, that's Kurt. You know, he's um, the night before. The night before, I had long hair, and um, and I, I went down to Melrose Avenue, and I cut it all off. I took a chance on a hairdresser. She was a Japanese girl, and I bought a black suit from Let It Rock on Melrose, a Johnson suit, which is a British suit, and that was the look. You know, that, was, that became the sort of John Wayne look. But it was on the spur of the moment. I just thought, if I'm going to do this, I can't look like everybody else, you know. And I, so I cut all my hair off and bought the suit. And um, that could have backfired. But it's like, you know, you were saying, Badger, it's like, you know, I mean, one minute, it's like, you know, it just all came together. It you know, I mean, it's help. very serendipity. And then from you joined this super group, Bad English. Now this is yeah. more my. This is my generation now. Let's do this. Yeah. Isn't that so, weird? Isn't that weird? Like we've all got generations and stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, now I have yeah. knowledge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, bad so, English was awesome. It was you, Neil, Sean, Jonathan, Kane, and who was your drummer? Uh, Deal, Dean Casanova and okay. Ricky Phillips from the Babies. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a long shot, believe me. Um, 
Some of it was tense. Uh, but now this was, is what it was. This is what a super group is. Neil is such a great guitar player. Neil, Neil could play anything in the dark with one hand. You know. Yeah. Uh, with a hangover. I mean, I'm t- I'm, not, I'm not kidding. The guy can play just about anything backwards. So that set the bar for something extraordinary. And I think um, he brought in Dean. We were looking for a drummer, and he'd been in a, in a club in L.A. and sat in with a band, and Dean was the drummer. And uh, again, it's Kismet, you know, serendipity. And he, he brought Dean down. And I have to say that Dean played like uh, jazz and fusion for like an hour, and I couldn't sing with it. You know, he's, he's all over the place, but the, he really loved playing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get the job. And um, I think the, it came back about four days later. Neil had a, had a talk with him, sat him down, and he was fantastic. I mean, I think he was only 23, you know, and we were in our 30s, mid-30s, so he was all impressed and nervous, you know, but when he took a deep breath and came back and thought about it, he was dynamite. There was nobody else going to be the drummer. He was that good, you know. Mm-hmm. Tremendous drummer. What a funny guy, too. Great guy. Could make you laugh when things are going completely wrong, you know. <laughs> Those are the yeah. best bandmates, right? It's like the yeah, one guy that know, goes, eh, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, but, you know, there's a lot of bad moments. You know, gear blows up. You know, the plane doesn't take off. You miss a gig. Somebody gets sick. But if you get a sense of humor, but life's like that, you know, there's always, uh, there's always a way of looking at something that's dry humor. And if you can live in that world, uh, life can be just delightful. But if you carry that weight and everything's dark, you're never going to have any fun. And it's all about being happy, you know. At yeah. the end of the day, it's how you navigate this world. We all have limited time here. So why spend uh, you your know, time here being miserable? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a hard thing. You get kicked around. Life will be rough. But I think um, you've got to really keep your head up, you know, because you just got to do it. You've got, I mean, I'm pretty positive. I wake up in the morning, make coffee, and I look out the window and think, yeah, you know, it's like life, let's go. And you realize as you get older, there's only so much time. And um, if you want to go and live in Paris, uh, go. If you want to buy a motorcycle, buy it. If you want to paint your masterpiece, buy the colors, you know. There's nobody stopping you. You know, you just live, you know, live the hell out of your life. Have a great time. Absolutely. That's a wonderful, uh, wonderful outlook, especially nowadays when uh, positivity is a really important thing on our planet. One of our sayings that we started out with West Loves East Radio um, was at the beginning of every show, we started out with a song from the President of the United States of America called, You Gotta Love Everybody, Make Them Feel Good About Themselves. And I I think that's true. And that's what you gotta do, you know? And and I think there's too much animosity. Yeah, there is. You know, I went to see, um, I went to see Joe Biden speak. I met him a couple of months ago before he became president. And uh, he was at a fundraiser with, from a friend of mine. And I went down to see the fundraiser and just say hello. And he started talking. And um, it just flown in for the night. And then he was going to fly out. He was raising money for his campaign. But as I was listening to this guy talk about uh, equality and equal opportunity and how dark and unnecessary racism is and uh, xenophobia, you know, 
uh, I looked around me, and everybody in the room um, was like Asian or African American, a couple of Caucasians, you know, people with Spanish heritage. You know, it was just like, and that's America, and I, it was really moving, and I, I, it blew my mind. You know, I mean. Not to think like that in this world. If we don't stand together, we're going to die alone. And that's the truth of it. Absolutely. I don't care which side you're on. That's, that's the rules. That's the game. Well, I think um, when I called you earlier to test audio, I had said, you know, I'm a New Yorker. How you doing? Right? And I moved down to Georgia. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, Burt Reynolds said... It depends on what spot of the nation you're standing in at the time as to how smart you are. <laughs> and when I moved down here, I felt like, at first, at first, I felt like the village idiot, right? I didn't understand really? anything from barbecue to guns. But yeah, well. as recent times have unfolded, I, yeah. I realized that maybe I'm not so much stupid as I am... I, I, I hate to say it, it's, but what do I care? Just more well-rounded, right? There's, I don't, ag- I love the atmosphere, but I am not a people person down here. And, and I'm not really? knocking the whole state of Georgia, but, uh, but I am knocking the mindset as to what in the total opposite end from New York of the United States how the opinions are just complete bipolar opposites. Yeah, that and is it's true. Mind blowing. If you go to the me. Midwest, mind. If you go to the Midwest, that all those people, a lot of people that are in the services, come from the Midwest. They come from Michigan and, and uh, Ohio. They do, and they're loyal. Uh, they serve this country, and they they die for this country, and they they they're the guys that go abroad to fight, you know, I'm not saying that other states don't, you you know, lots of sons and daughters go to fight, but the middle of the country is where the majority of those people come from, and um, that's just something that's particular, and, 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 and and that's what the Midwest is, it's like a true America, and in the South, you know, he had a civil war, there's, it's almost a different country. You get below the Mason-Dixon line, and Christianity twists into something deeper, and, and, and it's more woven into the social daily activity of the people. And that comes with a lot of different things, too. So, I mean, it's just America is made up of incredibly and- different, diverse people. And that's, and that's an, a, an example of it right there in a much broader sense, but it, it really is. And then conversely, I've always lived in the Northwest, where mm. where I come from, like there it's a it's a very different. When I traveled other places, um, yeah. it's it's a very kind of open Bohemian world up here, yeah. and um, very different from um, other places that I've been to. But I don't know. I I deal with so many people all around the world, global culture, because 
Um, we interview artists from all over the world, from Japan, Korea, yeah. China, Australia, Africa. And you know what? Pretty much everybody I talk to, pretty cool. I, I don't, I, I mean, everybody all around the world just wants to kind of like hang out and be nice to each other, which I really love. So you know, I guess I'm lucky in that sense. That's that's a really great point, you know. I mean, I had somebody once tell me a, a, a an African American friend of mine. Uh, it was a bass player, and uh, he he's been touring the world a lot. And he said to me, we were driving down the road one day, and he said, ninety-eight percent of the the people on this planet want to get along, and uh, they just want to raise their kids, and and be safe, and make sure that they get through to the end of it, you know? And there's 2% that, that are just going to always be there. And the 2% you've got to watch out for. And it um, doesn't matter what kind of job you've got or where you live, there's always going to be that 2%. But I believe that, Badger, I, I really do. It's like the 98% of the world really does want to be peaceful, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And... um it's one of the um, so one of the things that we're working on right now for uh, is the global metal cultural exchange, which is like TED Talks for metal, and it's basically bringing metal artists from all over the United States and all over the world. James is part of it too. Um, that. Um, we're getting them all together and we're having like one hour talks with keynote speakers uh, about culturally significant issues related to metal and how that brings us together, not only as a metal community, but as a musical community and how that strengthens us as human beings, no matter where we're from and brings us together in that amazing love of music and how that is a strengthening bond between all of us as human beings. And it crosses over everything. It's the reason why I do what I do. It's the reason why James does what he does. Yeah, totally right. I mean, I was saying the other day, you know, if you had enemies in the same room and you turn the lights out and you put some Barry wine on, (laughs) give them a few drinks, you know, you'd have the Palestinians doing the Watutsi with the uh, Israelis, you know, and nobody would care because it's Barry White, you know. And uh, that's so true, though. When you're dancing, you're in this other place, you know, you're like, you're in the music. The music is you, you know, you're it. You're you're in, in the hold of these, these rhythms and politics go right out the window, you know. And I always find that very, uh, that makes me feel better about the world, you know. Like you see, millions of people show up to see the Stones play, and they have a great time. <laughs> you know, fabulous. What was the last metal show you saw, James? The last metal show I saw. Well, is Insane Clown Posse considered metal? No, I don't I know. I have to go with Rat then. Rat. Whoa. Eighties hair metal. We did a sh- we did a show. We so Cyber FM. Um, focuses heavily on independent artists that are up and coming. Yeah. So we had gotten a couple of guys together and they opened for Stephen Piercy uh, up in Mulcahy's yeah. in a town called Smithtown uh, on Long Island. And uh, yeah, so 
I would call that a rat concert. Nice. When you go to shows, so the last show I uh, saw here in town was, I think it was Obtention. It was a K-pop show. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, well, Beth I, loves because the K-pop. I play, yeah, I play K-pop artists on, on our radio stations. We were actually one of the first stations in the Northwest to ever play <laughs> BTS, who now has a McDonald's hamburger meal. They're so popular. Wow. And we're still broke. Imagine, can you imagine that? You know, we, I'd like some K-pop with a side of fries, please. Yep, yeah. and that's what you're getting. And special sauces. <laughs> the spe- don't forget the special sauces. I'm upset that they didn't come out with a Korean barbecue burger. I would eat that all day long. Yeah, that sounds good. I know, right? I love Korean <laughs> barbecue. You could even yeah, put kimchi yeah. on it. I'd be cool. Oh, yeah, no, stop. Yeah. <laughs> so... So Getting if we're talking back, about metal, wait, I, I want to uh, um, I, I go from metal to what I was raised on, which was that 87, 89, like heaven is a four letter word. Is that glam rock? Would you, is that a safe word to use? I don't know. I don't know. Are you there, John? Did we lose John? Did John hang up because I said glam rock? I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> Did we lose you, John? Yeah. <laughs> I'll call him back. Hold on. I said glam rock and he hung up. Oh, no. I think that's fine. I know. Yeah, hello? My phone just died. Uh, <laughs> it's missing the battery. So can I call you back on the cell phone? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We'll call on. you. I'll call you on the cell. James will call you. Got to admit, this is great live radio. It is awesome. Hey, hello. Yeah. yeah. What I have to do is I have to call you back. You do? Yeah, I'm going to do it right now. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> <clears throat> no, this is a great... Hi there. Hey. Hello? Now where did Beth go? Yeah. Oh, no, boy. No. This is fun. <laughs> You know, it's funny. Well, I said the word glam rock and you hung up and I went, oh, no, I did it. No, man. It's, um, you know, it's the phone. It, that was my phone. That's that's the battery in my house. Phone. Hello. <laughs> it's all John Wade's I'm fault. Back. Yes, I'm yeah, back. Come on. I'm back. Okay. I said heaven Good. is a four letter word and John Wade hung up on me. I'm telling my kids. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> so, um. Heaven is a four-letter word is what from bad English? Yeah. It is, yeah. It invented, it's a, it's a music video that invented the underboob. The underboob? Yeah. <laughs> it was every, of that, actually. Am I wrong, John? What did they have, what did they have no, the I, crappie tops on? Oh, Beth, yeah, I gotta see this video. Yeah. As a young yeah, teenage no, boy, my job was to watch that video. You were, of course it was. <laughs> you were the underboob. No, there's a girl. There's a girl. Like there's a girl. I actually uh, stayed in touch with from that video called Heather, who wound up in New York City being a um, dancer, artist, and all sorts of things, you know. But Heather lives here, yeah, and she's in the video. With the um, yeah, beautiful oh, right. And uh, but that's a, just a side. I just thought I'd plug, you know, that Heather's out there. Aww. But uh, yeah, 
Go, Heather. Yeah. I mean, we're, and you know, at the end of the day, I think that, um, well, I mean, how could that not be a rockin' band with Neil Schoen in it? Like, and that's, no, it was I, great. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and you had John Waite. And you had yeah, John of course. Waite. That was, and Ricky Phillips. No, no, come on. We had, we had a great rhythm section with Ricky Phillips and Dean Casanova. So that really was, you know, those guys really kicked it. So, you know, I saw, I saw some live footage of us the other night and it was on, you know, I mean, it was like, I mean, wow. You know, it was just, uh, I think we might have stayed together longer if we hadn't gone in to make a second record so soon. But there was a lot of pressure from the record company to come back and have something ready for the summer. And we'd been on the road for a year and we were worn out, you know, but that's what happens. You know, I think, um, you get people. I think that's the lucky thing with these kids nowadays. Now that they're DIYing their own stuff and they're on their own own timelines and there's no pressure and they like put out these little three song EPs off their own home sound system and they either upload it to, you know, what Bandcamp or wherever. I mean, I, I grab artists from everywhere. James has artists that are literally sending him music in his email daily. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we it's had to create a whole thing. system. But well, um, no, I mean, it's, it's cut out the record companies almost completely. I mean, they're there and they're, they're, they're still very massive and they're making loads of money from catalogs. But the record companies are nowhere near as powerful as they used to be. Yeah. Any kid can make music and get it out to the rest of the world. You know, there's, it, there's, a, real, there's a real decentralization occurring um, due to technology. And especially, That's a good word. You like that word, huh? It's it's yeah, you're it decentralizing, you're removing all of those governmental, for lack of a better word, organizations. No, that's good too. That's two good words, and and that's great. No, I believe me. When I when I sort of went back into my solo career, I was lucky enough to get a couple of record deals with some big companies and and establish myself again, coming out with stuff. But in the periods where I didn't want to really be in that situation, I could make a record, print it up, put it on the internet, get a PR person, hit the road, and hey, presto, you know, you've sold just as many records. Yeah. And um, you have and total had to give away less freedom. of a percentage. Oh, you mean you keep it all? Yeah. Really? You know, I mean, a CD costs about $1.50 to make. Absolutely. You know, think about that. You know, it's uh... and if you want an autographed copy of John Waite's <laughs> brand new CD, you can go to JohnWaiteWorldwide.com and get it. There. I love that. Thank you. Thank no, you. Yeah, I the know. new album. Oh, I thought I was yes. just going to give him my address and I was going to get one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> nope, just made the check out to cash. Yeah. There no, you. thank you. That was great. Yeah. Lovely. Um, you know, and there is there's actually what i what i want off of your website which is where what we're going to talk about next is one of your paintings you are Ah. an amazing artist sir i love your self-painted cubist selfies they i saw those i saw those you're right oh yeah yeah no that's good fun i mean they were just it's a cartoon but but i used to do them for for kids outside gigs that couldn't get in if they had something to sign, I would do a quick sort of like cartoon of myself on the album cover or something. 
and it got so people were ringing up and emailing saying, can you do one for me? And this kid next door really wants one. And, and I kept sending these things out. And I thought in the end, well, I just, you know, I'm a painter. I went to art school. So I, I was painting. So I put them up on the internet and they started to sell. Did we lose him again? Oh, him how again. quickly you point the finger. Because this now is getting interesting. Right? <laughs> this guy's got okay. the greatest sense so, of humor, though. Thank God. Could you imagine? This is the cool thing about recording. So now I'm just going to say it. If this was like Steven Tyler, he'd be like, I'm out of here, you guys. I'm done with this. Oh, Welcome. no. Actually, no, you, you know, my, my first radio boss ever's wife was uh, uh, Steven Tyler's girlfriend for years. Oh, oh really? My idols. Which, one was, which one was that? What was her name? Her name was Lisa. Wow. She was a very <clears throat> tall, beautiful, blonde, tall, beautiful blonde woman. And yeah. she ended up marrying my boss, Bob Rivers. And Bob Rivers wow. was my boss. Bob Rivers Twisted Radio. He was huge in Boston for years. And then he did wow. Bob Rivers Twisted Radio in Seattle. And that's where wow. I learned, where I cut my teeth, where I learned everything. Okay, now back to your paintings. We want to hear more. Oh, about. yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, it's a really small thing to do. And you can get a piece of art for like a couple hundred bucks and put it in, in your den or give it to your lover or... It's a nice thing to have. I mean, if, if Otis Redding was, was painting selfies, I'd, I'd certainly order one. But it's, um, I, there's only so many selfies that you can actually do before you start to have a nervous breakdown. So I think <laughs> I'm going to be okay. In about, in about six months, I think I'm going to hang it up. But um, uh, so with the lockdown, means, I've gone back to painting, to, you know. That means go to johnwayworldwide.com and get your painting because they're a limited edition and True. they are valued they're if they're a limited edition and he's not going to do any more than they're valuable so run on over there and get them but not until you're done listening to the interview <laughs> it says it's yeah. signed it's, it's like, signed you know, by you it huh? gave me something to do in the lockdown really that's i you i just hit it hard because it was you know for the first couple of months of lockdown it's like you know what are you going to do you know you're like walking around with a corkscrew in one hand and a glass in the other, and you're looking for that bottle of wine, and you can't really go out. So I started painting again. But um, I'd like to go back to it really seriously. I'd like to, the smell of paint and being looking at a blank canvas is, uh, it's pretty great. You know, it's really. Um, is it safe to assume that you did oh, the album cover? He broke again. Are you kidding me? He's probably yeah. walking around. He's probably outside, like, smoking he's... or something, and he's dropping. <laughs> Having a cigarette, which I really want. I know, me too. <laughs> I had the greatest question for him, too. Okay, well, wait, and then we'll ask it again. Oh, Good it's thing. ruined now. It's... I'm so we're glad gonna... we're... Hey we're there. killing his battery is what we're doing. <laughs> hey. Um... Well, listen, this is going to hit the wall again and again and again. Um, is there anything you'd like to, to ask me, or is there anything else I can do for you and and make the, the interview cool? Um, well, you know what? Uh, let's really quick, I want you to talk about your documentary that's coming up. Oh, yeah. 
Okay. Well, there's a there's a, a full budget um, documentary going to be released this year called uh, The Hard Way, and it's coming from uh, the people that had Gold Circle films, you know, My Big Fat Greek Wedding and all that. Norm Waite. And um, we have the same name, but he's got one more T and no E. But uh, it's a, a full-length documentary. Um, I actually got the news today. I'm singing a few bars of Whole Lot of Love. Uh, <laughs> this is... Who's this? This right? is us again, right? We're family now. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm coming over. I'm going to bring some ribs. <laughs> um, well, fantasy done. I want to um, be able to hawk your yeah. album. I want to tell everybody where to get yeah. the album. Okay. That's important. Um, well, yeah, the new record, uh, Wooden Heart Volumes 1, 2, 3, is 23 acoustic songs from my career. Dylan songs, Hank Williams songs. It's all acoustic. Uh, three CDs. It's it's a. I sat down a couple of days ago and listened to it. It's my life. Um, you can get it from JohnWaitWorldwide.com, uh, autographed, or you can wait a couple of weeks and it will be in all the stores like Target. But um, it's a good rec- It's a good record. I, I'm. Oh. Fuck me. <laughs> okay, it's a good record. Okay, we can flag there. Okay. So let's now when we get him back, get him back, and then let's say goodbye because it's just going to keep cutting. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I want you to say goodbye. Uh, Oh, whatever. No, this is funny. You know what? Nobody would be this cool to just answer the phone like, who is it? (laughs) I'm going to wind up emailing him. I'm gonna Don't email give up on me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to write a song about us. It's only one. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, we got the, you back. I, so um, really, really quick. <laughs> we are, uh, you wish. Yeah. <laughs> you wish. Oh. No, not never a quickie. Always a long game. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Let me go on. Wow, mute. getting risque on the radio. Hello. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. We're internet radio. We can say fuck, bitch, or whatever uh, we want. I've already oh, yelled. Really? Yep. I've yelled for uh, fuck's sake like three it. times already. Yeah. No, I, I, you should have told me that before. We could have got really interesting. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's good. What, what's going on with these batteries? I don't know. They don't make them like I they used know. to. I, don't I have know, no idea you're, what's going You're, you're John Waite. Can't you get like a. Wozniak on the phone it's, and say, hey, it's what not, are we doing? It's not me. I mean, that, this is a new iPhone. It can't be me. The, the house phone, that's definitely the battery. Yeah. You know. no, it's weird. <clears throat> but we're going to let you go. We're going to wrap up with you. And thank you so much. You have been so oh, gracious. So wonderful. We're going to I know. And thank you so much. I appreciate the airtime. And you seem like really beautiful people. And uh, thanks so much, and stay in touch, and um, God bless you. 